Cry It Out with me, DJ Susie. Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Talking up a storm Act like they don't notice it But here it is and here it comes Here comes the moon Squeakens when it's full As it turns my head around me Yes, it does Here it comes Here comes the moon Stay when it's new 
right. That was a little bit better. One of these days, I'm going to get that right. That was George Harrison with Here Comes the Moon starting us off. And then our theme by Crackle and Woe. Thank you, Amy and Jason. I'm your host, John Reed, and this is Race to the Bottom. Happy Saturday morning. I hope your calisthenic session went well, or if you want to continue doing those last leg lifts, that's quite all right with me. Is the subway system, is it a prank? I heard this guy, this comedian say that. I like that. Just to give you a a glimpse On the way back from the show last week, I took four trains and a bus. I guess it was a bus and four trains. Home, back to Astoria, Queens from here. That was fun. But you know what they say, the grass is always greener. I'm in this kind of crossroads with with my work situation, and people keep saying, you know, the grass is always greener. So... Does that mean that, like, nothing, I mean, I know what, why people say the grass is always greener, but it's the subtext to the grass is always greener that, is that that nothing is ever better than your current situation? I don't, I don't know. So it's just this, life is just like a wash, because, you know, the grass is always greener. It leads me to, I know it's, as kind of a rule, it's very boring for people to talk about their dreams, but I'm going to do it anyway. I have this recurring dream that I have, I have my life right now, but for some reason in the dream, there's some justification for the reason I have to go back to high school again. And I'm back in high school as, you know, a 40-year-old. Um, even though, you know, I've graduated college and gotten my master's, I'm, I, I have, you know, they, you have the couple credits. And so in this dream, I was super stressed out because I hadn't been going to French class. I was failing in Algebra 2. I had to retake, and I totally had been... Coming late to school, you know, the the regular thing. But this is the first time in one of these dreams where I went, I went to like the guidance office and usually I like can't talk to the guidance counselor. But in, uh, in this guidance office, it was a bunch of like younger kids, like, like high school, like, uh, seniors that were like techie. And I asked this kid, I said, I'll buy you lunch. If you can go onto the computer, fix me up so that my transcript disappears for this failing semester and we just forget about this whole thing that I had to go back to high school. Can you do that? And he said, yes, I want Wendy's. So that was cool. Maybe I'm moving on. I um I don't know people 
listen, our, our podcast listeners listen to the uh, WTF with Mark Marin thousandth episode this week. I I did. I've been listening to that show for quite a while, and I am so jealous of those. Uh, so it was Mark Marin and, and his uh, his producer were on the show together. They did the show, and uh, they uh, you know they they kind of went through the history, and just I'm I'm just gonna be straight up. I'm jealous. I want to have. A situation where I have a creative partner and take something from the ground up, do it exactly the way that I want to do it, and just turn it into a big thing where I do like a thousand of them. How cool is that? Well, let's put some music in the background here. Um, but it's the art and the artifice, right? Got the art and the artifice. Got the whole, everything going on behind, behind the thing. And then you got what's going on. In front of the curtain. Behind the curtain, in front of the curtain. This is Little Dragon. Had this song in my head this week. We've been talking about a lot of things on the show, and then, uh, you know, this show's obviously Saturday morning, and then... And then... Tonight, they're going to be talking about the exact same things on Saturday Night Live, so I feel like I'm, I'm somewhat... On the pulse, get Keenan Thompson to do some stuff that I I've been talking about today. Can you? What is why? Why? Why is Keenan Thompson, uh, um, a guy? Why is he around? It's so bad. It's so like third or fourth rate. But I, I trash a lot of things on the show, but I want to I want to just make sh- uh, sure that I'm uh, not just trashing things and that I uh, talking about what I love. I will say I, I, I think John Oliver is the best. So glad his show is back. Watch it on YouTube Monday morning when I'm or Monday uh, during lunch, my lunch break. The kids are at recess. And uh, Hassan Minaj, that's, his show is just getting better and better and better. So those are my two uh, things that I've been loving. Oh, and Catastrophe for season four is starting this week. Or it's on uh, now. I'm going to go home and binge watch it with my wife. My wife. That's, that's always good. All right. Uh, the phone number. Now that we've got, gotten a couple things, gotten my desk cleared off here. Some initial thoughts. The phone number is 718-928-9732. We got some cool things planned. If, if all goes as planned, we got the phone line back. 
Um, so, oh my goodness. Race to the bottom. Hello. Okay. I I know this voice. Yeah. So as a um, caller, can you just uh, hold for one second while I introduce you? Uh, sure. Wow. Bringing some serious energy. Um, so last week, I, I uh, guys, I talked about um, how we were going to have a call from this uh, literary expert, Tompkins Wilder. And I think I... Uh, recognize his voice on on the line. Um, Tompkins told me his his car got towed, um, so he was unable to call into the show last week. But we're glad to have him on the show now. Uh, Tompkins, he's still there. I'm still here. I've just recovered from that harrowing experience of having to locate my car and having to pay an absurd amount of money for what I think was a an injustice uh really looking at the entire way that parking is structured that park okay so you were you 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 feel like you were like unlawfully towed or it was uh i think it was actually because of my custom license plate i think there there is a, a, a when you reach the level of literary success that i have uh people often uh lash out in the most passive aggressive ways uh, and so my custom plate uh, simply says lit, L-I-T. And uh, I think people misinterpret that. I, the, the common vernacular of when something is lit, uh, I resent that because literature is the original lit. Literature has always been lit. And uh, I think that, frankly, the city was just bitter and uh, took it out upon me uh, because I've got a lot of forthcoming books, and I think people uh, are intimidated by that. The, the grab as you said earlier, uh, I'd say that the, the grass is not necessarily green. Okay, so so when the kids say lit these these days, they're talking about uh, like, oh, that was that was a lit party, or somebody can be lit like uh, intoxicated. So you think maybe that there was some misunderstanding that they thought you you were potentially driving under the influence, or is that what? Well, it, it, yeah, it's a it's a very common um, uh, assumption that that those of us in the literary world um, we were often uh, threatening because what we're addressing and the topics we're getting into are often uh, so far ahead that people have no choice but to to try to stop us. Um, I addressed it in a couple of my up, upcoming. Um, uh, it's a two a two. Uh, a biopic is, is really too much of a Hollywood description, but I'd say it's a two tomes, uh, two volumes, if you will. And it's, it's one of the things I, I actually address uh, in the book is the way that uh, literary uh, circles have become more insular in spite of the fact that we are actually the ones uh, driving the cultural fabric um, of this nation. Okay, um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with me, maybe because it's early in the day, but I just kind of spaced out like halfway through what you, so you have a, you have a book, uh, an upcoming book to a two part book. I'm sorry. Sure. No problem. Uh, it's two books. Uh, and each of the books, uh, one is written in old English and the second one is written in middle English. Um, and basically, I'm translating the modern vernacular around 
how literary critics are misunderstood. And it, it's just, um, it, it's a fascinating literary exercise to, to really focus each volume on a different type of English. So, so if, when this book comes out, I'm going to, um, it, it, one will be in, in old English and one will be in middle English. Do you feel like that will be kind of prohibitive to the, your, to your readership? Well, the original, when I do the book tour, I'll read them in the the volume one in Old English, volume two in Middle English. But for the sake of of the uh, coveted uh, the coveted New York Times book list, um, I will translate them into uh, modern vernacular. And I won't, unfortunately, be able to let anyone see the original translations. <laughs> okay, so okay, so they'll just trust that you wrote it and and. And old English or, or modern English. Exactly. They'll, they'll trust that I wrote the first volume in old English. They'll trust that I wrote the, the second volume in middle English. And although they won't be able to see the original translations, uh, they'll just, uh, unless they're at the actual reading, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's um, as you can assume, it's, uh, there'll be a degree requirement at the door. Uh, security uh, will have to look at the number of degrees that somebody has and the uh, number of, of pending publications will uh, factor heavily into, if anyone is allowed, into the reading for the old and the middle English. The bulk of the public, uh, I think, will just be okay with the modern vernacular because, again, most people don't really want us, uh, the backbones of cultural society, to, uh, to be embraced. Hmm. I just, I hear what you're saying, but that that's crazy that you would have like a um, a degree requirement. Yeah, I and I thought that this book is about how the insular literary communities, but then you are asking for people to show their d- degree when they walk in the door. That I could see how that might sound hypocritical as I'm describing it to, uh, I wouldn't call you a lay person because you have uh, read several of my earlier works um, and, and you're very persistent about trying to get uh, advanced copies of the pending works. But again, it's, it, they're pending and I'm not allowed to, uh, to release them until they're actually released. Uh, the reason why we have the degree requirement is just to make sure that everyone in the room has a basic shared understanding of some of the things we focus on. For example, if I'm uh, having a reading like I will be in a week uh, around centaurian dramaturgy, I don't want anyone to be in there who doesn't know what a centaur is. And and typically you're going to need to have at least uh, one or two advanced degrees to, to fully grasp uh, the centaurian uh, predicament. The centa- you said centaurian dramaturgy? Yes, exactly. It's not dramaturgy? Dr- uh, yeah, I never know how to say that. I guess you, I, you're the expert. So, but I feel uh, like yeah. I feel yeah. like if somebody's read like a fantasy novel, they would know what a, a centaur is, or like watched. Don't they have that, that along like Game of Thrones? Are there centaurs? I've never. Uh, I see that's that's part of the degree requirement. Uh, folks think they could have watched uh, season three of Game of Thrones and they know all they need to know, or perhaps they watched The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in their formative middle school years and uh and that's a lot of where the centaur uh community uh first began to be misunderstood so what i see is perhaps the most relevant social justice uh reclaiming the centaurian legacy and making sure that uh 
people who have the degrees to be able to advocate for centaurs are in that room sharing in that moment. Um, I don't know how I'm going to be able to allow people who don't have that basic knowledge to be a part of that. And it would be great because more people could get the message, but I just don't know how to get around the degrees. Wow. Well, they could just sit, they could be in the reading and learn from, from you and from your reading. I think it's challenging to learn unless you're actually reading the book. For example, I'm sure you're a reader. That's part of why we first connected on book of file, um, uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, I'm sure you've probably read at least four or five things in the last week since my car was towed. Um, I imagine most of the things you've read are things that I would similarly say rise to the level of something that uh, a bouncer outside of one of our readings could quiz you on and decide if you're going to be allowed in or not. <laughs> uh, wow. I just, I, I hear what you're saying, but I've, I just, I've, and I have read, not in the last week I've, I've read in the, this year I've, I've read, you know, I, I do read and we did meet on, on, um, bibliophile and, um, but Tompkins, I just still feel like you are being a little bit dismissive, but, um, do you want to, you want to know what I've read since you're Uh, sure, sure. I would, I would love to, you have an update of the profile. Um, in, a, in a couple months, so I, that's, I just assumed you'd probably, you know, read twenty three or twenty four books. So that's that's why you hadn't gotten around to it. Oh. Uh, no, well, you know, I kind of moved over more to Goodreads uh, because. Oh Lord, Jeff Bezos got you too. Uh, you know, it is not a political show, so I'll leave yeah. my thoughts well, about him out of this. I mean, yeah the the Jeff Bezosification of the of you know of of life but, is Trump. Troubling, but I I I started doing Goodreads just because more people are on there and I can connect with more more people. You know, the one thing I'll say before you say what you say is the notion that a reading is good. Uh, I just many of us uh, in the literary circles uh, have a, a, a fundamental problem with that. Uh, I'd love to see a site uh, a site that says mediocre reads because, frankly, I feel that a lot of the work I'm most interested in the public would consider mediocre. Um, I'd really love to see a site that's called pending reads, uh, cause that would be a great way for people to see the bulk of my work because it's pending. Yeah, I did. Uh, so, um, and I, w- I'm going to get to what I've been reading, but just to just say something about what you just said, you had said that I connected with you because I had read some of your work and I've read descriptions of your work on, on bibliophile, but I can't, find the actual why well, i've kind of been interested because it seems kind of arcane and and like you're doing something really specific but most of the stuff it says it's pending or it's no longer available um that's a great that's a great point uh it's one that's challenging to uh to really address uh there are a large degree of paywalls that uh, publications are behind so first you need to be at a university, and that's just a given, uh, typically a uh, PhD or, or two. Uh, and I want to get that, that level, 
then often your university has a paywall subscription. From the paywall, you can then get access to the abstract. And from the abstract, you could then submit a request to one of the three or four uh, brick-and-mortar libraries. Uh, they tend to have my work on microfiche, and so often someone will, uh, you know, scan it, if you will. I prefer, personally, if they just uh, do a, um, a relief press of it. So then we don't have any of the digital things involved. Uh, and then often they'll mail that to you, certified mail. Uh, you have to be present for a signature. I know three of the things I sent you, you weren't present. I, you have employment, I understand. And so you weren't able to receive those packages. They yeah. were sent back to me. I securely shredded them. So wow. uh, you're, you're right. You've not been able to read a full piece. Um, and that's, I won't say troubling, because I understand you have values and priorities, and you're doing the good work um, to the people as we speak. Well, uh, Tom, kids, I'm, I'm noticing that there's the, uh, this beeping. It sounds like you're cursing, but I think it's actually a call waiting. I think some other people are getting, trying to get through, but so let's just do a rapid fire round. Um, Perfect. and I will keep looking out for your packages. Um, so I read so long, see you tomorrow by William Maxwell. I loved it. I thought it was a great memoir. Um, uh, I I, I didn't. Frankly, his last name sounds too much like coffee. What else do you have? Uh, American Pastoral, Philip Roth. I know everybody loves uh, Philip Roth, and I American Pastoral is, is one of his most highly regarded works, but I, did, I thought it was overrated, and I couldn't really stand it. I loved it. Uh, I think uh, I just whited out the A and the L, so American Pastor, Philip Roth. When you read it through that lens, it's a very spiritual and religious uh, credo. Wow, you're kind of doing your own thing. Uh, Misery by Stephen King. Um, I actually like, I mean, I know Stephen King is not the most highbrow thing, but I thought it was uh, pretty fun and, and, and pretty enjoyable. Um, I had trouble because someone had told me if I read the book from the back to the front, I'd get a different understanding of the text. I did that, and uh, by the end, I wish I had just read Pet Cemetery. <laughs> okay, yeah, you 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 have your own way with things. And then East of Eden, John Steinbeck, I really enjoyed it. Some people thought it was a little like too um, pedantic, like it's just kind of good and evil running through it. But I didn't. I thought it was amazing. I was confused by it, frankly. Um, I thought it was going to be east of the Garden of Eden, and it would be a direct tie into the Grapes of Wrath. I saw no grapes, uh, no direct garden, and I just felt he could have really stretched his uh, his uh, creativity a bit more and made that connection for the for the scholars. Well, uh, maybe if he, uh, he if he if John Steinbeck was still uh, working on East of Eden now and never really published it uh like it seems like you do with your works uh it would be a stronger publication eventually eventually and it's all about eventually thank you so much for letting me call in thanks for your patience with the car last week um i would love to keep the conversation going i have a tour for the next month try it unlikely i'll be able to call in um but when i finish the tour um, i'll mostly be in the south hampshire region um, of uh, the the Oxford, um, you know, <laughs> right. So I'll mostly be in that region. Yeah. And the international calling rates prohibitive, but uh, I would love to uh, call back in a, in a month, talk about the forty three or so publications that I'm sure you and I would have um, already been involved in by then. 
All right. Uh, a lot of, a lot of promises. Uh, but I do appreciate, uh, the call, Tompkins. And, uh, let's keep this conversation, uh, rolling. Great. I'm going to document the whole thing and I'll re, uh, recode the transcripts. I'm looking forward to seeing the Greek, uh, uh, version of this conversation. Wow. Uh, I'll get my landlady to read that. She's Greek. She is great. Oh, I uh, don't know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Cheers. Wow. What a weird dude. Tompkins Wilder. Huh. Okay. Um, if you were trying to call, give me a call back. Um, in the meantime, let's listen to some Bjork. Here's another song that was in the ether this week. Kept getting stuck in my head. Bjork, Heirloom, Race to the Bottom.
Spring has sprung. It is the time for walks in the park, afternoon showers, bunny rabbits, and the time to visit your local and thorough mechanic. Hi, I'm Johnny from Johnny's Automotive. Think of your car as an Easter egg hunt. Every nook and cranny might be a beautifully colored egg filled with nothing but problems. That's where I come in. Let me scavenge your car for any little nugget of imperfection. Then we'll fix it. That's Johnny's way. Visit us this spring on the corner of Crisco Road and Popular Creek. At Johnny's, we do the job right and check it. See you soon. Yes, Johnny's Automotive. And before you say anything, Johnny has an announcement next week about going carbon neutral. But uh, Johnny's Automotive, this show is sponsored by Johnny's Automotive. If you guys want to sponsor this show, you can click on the little sponsor uh, tab on uh, the, I think it's the top right corner of the screen. Uh, Radio Free Brooklyn is what we're listening to, and this is a 501c3. We exist on donations, and it's a community radio station. So if you want to donate, please do so. Uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, so here we go. I, I also got to gotta make something for this, but um, this is the Political Checkup, spot brought to you by Johnny's. Um, who do you want to win and who's gonna win is what we're talking about right now. And, uh, we heard that Beto's jumped into the, uh, mix. I don't really want to talk about him. I want to talk about this guy, Joe Biden. You know him? Um, I hope he doesn't run. I really hope he is, uh, sits this one out. And you know why? Um, because I think that he is a loser. Um, he, people right now feel like he is a, a viable candidate because he held power, uh, but he was uh, not an, an elected official. Uh, he was chosen by his buddy Barack to uh, shore up some of his, you know, uh, shortcomings or, um, you know, or more sinister because he was an old white guy. Uh, but Joe Biden, he's run for president like, what, 14 times? And uh, he's he's not the guy. Uh, but that's OK. There's lots of it's li- there's lots of losers. Right. Most of us are losers. There can only be one winner usually. Uh, and most of us are losers. Um, that's fine. I know all about that. I'm a Mets fan. Um, that's why I and so many other people relate to a team like uh, the New York uh, Metropolitans. Um, and that's that's okay. There's there's a beauty in in losing, right? Uh, which I feel like Hillary is starting to embrace. Hopefully, um. And, uh, uh, you know, and then we we have, uh, you know, President Omelet Bar. Uh, he might he might be the only uh, winner. But how great is that? You know, his supporters, his supporters are the big losers. They just don't know it yet. Oh, bam. We got him. We got him. We got him. Um, Did you see this thing about his. Uh. His wife uh, being a stunt double. 
fascinating. He's a uh, this is my favorite conspiracy theory, which might be true actually. President Omelet Bar's wife Melania can't stand him, and so he brings lookalikes to to uh, public functions, ostensibly, supposedly. He's he's a winner, right? If he's a what what's the thing? If he's a winner, I I want to be losing, right? Isn't that the saying? Which leads me to. I want to nominate the official politician of Race to the Bottom, and that is Jeb Bush, my favorite. My wife knows I love talking about Jeb Bush. Please clap. Here, where's this thing? I got to play this. game without backing it up. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. (laughs) Please clap. Low energy Jeb. See, that's the kind of loser we need. Speaking of losers, did uh, you guys see this... um, this thing with Mitt Romney blowing out the the uh, candles one by one on his Twinkie cake. My favorite thing about that, I forgot somebody wrote, wrote about it and called him a deeply weird dude. Which I really appreciate that. I love how Romney says, he's like, you know, in his Mormonisms, he says, holy cow. I'm going to start saying that a lot. Um, so that's in our section, uh, I gotta make these stingers, but that's in our section. What the crap? What in the crap is actually what it's called. Um, I should find this. There was a great documentary, Mitt. And in this documentary, speaking of deeply weird dude, his family is sitting around the table listening to this American life, which is. Weird for a couple reasons. One, you wouldn't imagine the Romneys to be a fan, to be fans, you know, Tag and Trip or whatever their names were, and the the whole the whole mishpucha sitting around listening to This American Life and listening to David Sedaris and da- the whole family just sitting there looking at each other, listening to the radio and dying laughing. Listening to David Sedaris. Deeply weird. Continuing the political checkup. There was a big story that held pretty much zero interest to me this week, which was this college scam story. I'm sure you heard all about it. It's like, who cares? Like, so they killed like seven, seven or eight kids. Right. I think I'm getting the story right. It was like the kids of a couple, like these porn stars, right? And they hired some guy to dress up like Edward James almost in Stand By Me and coach them for their SATs. I don't get why this is a story. Forcing them to go to Yale, even though they want to go to state school. It's not a story. 
I never had that pressure. I don't even think there, I don't, if there was a college counselor at my high school, I did not see them. I was too busy being a bad kid in high school. You want to know what I know about Yale? I lived in New Haven for a little while, and I delivered chicken wings uh, to Yale students. For I worked at this place called Swings. This is a true story. That's what I know about Yale. But I think that this story got big because the media is thinking about their kids, right? It's like a very, like, we usually like to bash the media, but I think a lot of the people who are like, oh, man, this is college scam story is really fascinating. It's because they're, like, in the process of getting their kid into Yale. They keep asking, do you think that it's fascinating? Should the kids be punished for their parents' sins, right? Their parents hired some guy to pretend he was a soccer coach or something. Should they be? Should the kids be punished and kicked out of Yale because of that? I don't know. Should... uh should the dreamers be uh, let let in the country? Oh, making big points here, right? We got them. Got we got a uh, omelet bar. Now I got the hypocrisy of this whole college scam story. Let the let the kids stay in the country. Let the uh, these rich kids stay at Yale. I'll bring them some chicken wings. Right. Um, phone number seven one eight nine two eight nine seven three two. What do you think about all this? Where do you stand? Um, until then, here's G- Gillian Welsh and David Rawlings, their Oscar-nominated song from the not very good movie that uh, the Coen Brothers did. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. This is when a cowboy trades his spurs for wings. Give us a call. Race to the bottom. When tomorrow comes Let me tell you, buddy And it won't be long Till you find yourself singing Your last cowboy song Horsepower mile. 
nice little sampling. This is a short show. This is just an hour, so I'm, I'm not playing these whole songs. I think we got a phone call. Race to the bottom. Uh, hey, John, this is um, Howie. Hey, uh, thank you for calling the show. This uh, So to our listeners, this is uh, our buddy Howie. And um, uh, as I was talking about a second ago, we're talking about... Uh, People who are okay with being losers, uh, and and we're talking about the New York Mets. And H- Howie is a lifelong New York Mets fan, and I thought it would be fun to uh, to have him call in, and we could uh, do a couple minutes of Mets. How's it going, Howie? And it's going great. And I, I just want to say, John, I really enjoy your show. You cover. A lot of ground, um, you know, you talk about your dreams and, and the news and politics and somehow tying politics to the Mets, um, <laughs> you know, and playing some good music, too. So uh, great show. Really enjoying it. Hey, well, well, thanks a lot. Uh, I it's it's a lot of fun to do. Yeah. So yeah. so how, how about them Mets? We it's we're getting to the end of uh, spring training and um and how how are we feeling well you know um we're feeling really optimistic um you know but that being said uh the season hasn't started yet and and i go into every season being really optimistic um was really <laughs> optimistic last year and it seemed like you know being a mets fan um the season was kind of over before it really got started, you know, um, with the injury bugs and all that. Um, but you know, they've, they've made some, uh, good acquisitions. Um, they should, they should have great, great pitching. I mean, the pitching should be great, but you know, as always, the key question is health, Yes, you know, and, and the Mets seem cursed. I mean, they went into, into last year with with great pitching and you know of course Syndergaard missed most of the year mm-hmm. and uh Wheeler was just kind of coming back um so you know I was, I was excited last year and it's like it, it didn't take long for that excitement to just sort of like really you know cool off but I'm I'm feeling good you know I feel like the NL East is going to be a really uh tough competitive division and again you know if if they can stay healthy um i like our chances well you know it's it's crazy because last year um i they fired because the the previous year to last year two years ago there was again a lot of injuries and then they got rid of the trainer and they brought in this new training staff that was supposed to be focusing on like having the guys do like yoga and stretching and not so much uh so so much weight lifting and and somehow it almost uh, seemed worse like maybe they're not cut out for yoga yeah i know i thought the new trainer well that that's a good change but you know i, I think you know the curse is probably beyond a- any trainer I, I hope i'm you know hope that's not true but I, I don't know they always seem to get way more injuries than than anybody else but um you know really so some really good upgrades this year you know as you know um they got a great new closer diaz yeah and um 
he was incredible last year. I mean, he got 124 strikeouts in 73 innings and 57 saves and 1.96 ERA. So uh, they got the pitching staff. And I mean, if they can stay healthy with, um, you know, Syndergaard and DeGrom and, and Wheeler, this is looking really good uh, so far in spring training. So they got three great starters. And, and Matt's is like, he always kind of has potential, but he's he's kind of a head case. I think he's uh, yeah. his own worst, worst yeah. enemy. And he gets skittish. He, he's been struggling. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully he can he can find his groove um but you know some good changes obviously they got cano and yeah. uh, he, he should be really good and uh peter alonzo making his major league debut um and uh good good catcher too yeah uh, that was a big uh it's, you know the unknown quantity but we got wilson ramos who's a, a big big guy uh yeah but, big, big guy hopefully he can uh, uh so stay uh, stay healthy. So Howie, let's check back in. Yeah. But before I let you go, so yeah. you know, today I was trying to weave in this theme of being okay with uh, with being uh, with losing. And uh, yeah. how, how yeah. do you how do you feel as as a as a lifelong Mets fan? How how does how do you deal with the the loss? Well, you know, I mean, that is definitely, um, you know, goes along with with the territory of being a Mets fan. But I, rather than think of it as like being a loser, you know, <laughs> I think of it as you, you've got to have a quality of loyalty mm. um, to, to be a Mets fan. And I've been a Mets fan, you know, since the beginning, since 62. Wow, and, yeah. Uh, all those years, you know, we've had a few good years, but but not many. No. You know, so I feel like I'm I'm a loyal fan. I I moved to North Carolina, but you know, still just total total Mets fan. And uh, you know, um, opening day is is coming up. I think on the 28th. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm excited, and hopefully we'll get off to to a good start this year. But I do feel really good about our chances. Well, I do too, and thank you so much for calling in and and keep calling throughout throughout the season. I'm excited to see what happens. Yep, I will keep calling and uh, again keep up the good work with the show. It's a great show, John. Awesome, thank you, Howie. All right, thanks. all right. Hey, Howie, calling in. He's our Mets guy. Um, let's see. Talked about Yale. Talked about the Mets. This is uh, our buddy R.J. Miller. Kind of becoming our house band. This is from his album. I don't. I can't find very much out about this guy. He's a jazz dude. R.J. Miller. Ronald's Rhythm is the is the album. Check it out. Um, let's see. We have an after-school program that's really getting pretty amazing, and I want to try to volunteer. You can volunteer also. Um, you can go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash afterschool. We are do- teaching teenagers about media literacy and getting them on the mics and making their own shows. It's a really cool program. Um, please be uh, part of that if you can or if you know a teen in the in the Brooklyn area. We'd love to have them be part of 
that. If you're listening to the show on your computer, also be aware that we do have an iPhone and Android app where you can walk all around, go on your uh, constitutional and listen to all the great programming on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Speaking of, we've got uh, Joanna Perpich coming up next with Crime Talk BK, which is a excellent show, really fun uh, Brooklyn-focused, New York-focused fo- criminal justice and crime stories and criminal psychology stuff. Uh, it's a definitely worth a listen. That's coming up next at the top of the hour. And uh, if you want to stay up to date with uh, Radio Free Brooklyn, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter, and you can hear about all the exciting live shows and all the new shows. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, I, I think... The moral of the story is that, uh, like Tom said, Tom Petty said it well. We heard it in the background. Even the losers get lucky sometimes. And sometimes the winners are the big losers, right? Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some, play some music out. Here's another song. So, uh, just real quick, the music that I play on the show is usually just songs that get stuck in my head. I'll make a list of them. And here is one that I get in my head every year around this time. This is from Nikolai Dunger, and it's a song called The Year of Love and Hurt Cycle. Um, And it's from his album, Here's My Song. Um, And uh, I love this tune. It's about the changing of the seasons as we move into spring. Um, Here it is. Thank you for listening to the third episode of Race to the Bottom. We'll be here next week and every week at uh, um, Saturday mornings. Race to the Bottom. There's a star for everything And it starts with the end of December There'll be singing and dancing There'll be laughter and tears There'll be love, there'll be hurt And the following up When we wake face to face In the cold morning light When your heart it will be and my mind it will see girl I love and I hurt now it's a song about the year of the love and hurt cycle beats that only grow with a pride in this tune that will both come to
the month of March We'll be finding ourselves in the most purest mood We'll be singing about how we live this life of love and hurt April comes with a rush Makes us want to take off our clothes and our masks We'll be standing in front of the sun that will show all our love and our hurt. Teardrops fall, raindrops small, compared to what you saw in the light of my eyes. When I was running. 